Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Craig Ballantyne, author of The Perfect Day Formula and the new book, Unstoppable. And if you want to learn how to build relationships the right way, you absolutely must be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. What's up, everybody? I cannot wait to get into today's show with Mr. Craig Ballantyne. Craig is a prolific author and a success coach. He's done work with so many people in this space, and we had some fantastic conversations. He's written five books, including The Perfect Day Formula, How to Own the Day and Control Your Life, which has sold over 25,000 copies. His videos on YouTube have been seen over 7 million times. He's a fantastic, fantastic resource when it comes to how to craft your perfect day. What does that look like? Am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? What should I focus on? What shouldn't I focus on? What matters? What doesn't matter? All those different questions can be answered. So in this episode, we take a really deep dive into those types of questions and and take a deep dive into that aspect of Craig's coaching and of Craig's business. And we talk about his perfect day, what his perfect day looks like. We talk about how he built relationships in his life. We talked about how me and him got connected together through a mutual friend of ours. And so There's so many awesome takeaways from this episode with Craig. But first, before we get into that, my current mastermind came to an end 
very recently, and I'm super sad about that. But I'm also really happy to announce the beginning of the new mastermind, Build Your Network Dynasty. A dynasty is defined as a series of members of a family who are distinguished for their success, wealth, etc. If that doesn't define what we are about to create with this movement, I don't know what does. Trust me, this is going to be huge. If you've ever gotten the slightest bit of value from any of the conversations I've had with the rock stars on this show, and if you've ever wanted to be a part of a family that's set apart from the rest, I implore you to go to buildyournetwork.co dynasty to apply to be a part of this movement. This isn't just a network. It is a dynasty. Trust me, you will not want to miss out on this. I like to reward action takers. So pricing is always best for those who jump on board first. It's the most affordable product I've ever put out there. So there are already over 20 people in that group. We just got started with this thing. I did that on purpose so we can really blow it up. So stop hesitating, take action, be a part of the dynasty. Head over to buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty to apply and I will see you on the inside. And now let's go ahead and get into my chat with Mr. Craig Ballantyne. Craig, super stoked to be here with you, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is a really, really uh, great topic near and dear to my heart, to be honest with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's jump right in, man. Talk to me about how you got started in all of this. I know uh, typically you might be the the special case scenario here, Craig. So correct me if I'm wrong, but typically I find the people that I talk to are doing something completely different than what they thought they were going to do when they were like junior high and high school. So talk to me a little bit about how you got started with all this. Oh, totally. I thought I was going to be a strength and conditioning coach in the National Hockey League. And I bet you've never had one of those on here before. So obviously... That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, did, I did go down a different path. Now, I'm also quite... I have a lot of introverted tendencies. I don't label myself as an introvert, but I actually realize that I'm not the type of person who's going to be in the gym, hyping people up all day. I'm a bookworm. I want to sit behind the computer. So I got my way into writing for Men's Health Magazine. Then I started selling fitness programs on the internet back in 2001. And at the same time, I was doing a lot of introverted email networking. So basically, I was doing interviews, text interviews of people. So basically like pre-podcasting, just interviewing people for my website, which allowed me to build more uh, critical credibility in addition to the men's health credibility that I had. So I, I was able to have all of this stuff going for me. And then I basically became what I call Canada's version of Tony Horton, which is the P90X guy. And I'm Canadian. So I could make that claim and be, have that title. <laughs> and I sold that, you know, sold my workouts for over a dozen years. And then I transitioned into being this guy who coached entrepreneurs to build their own businesses, small businesses, you know, between like 250K and $10 million. And then I uh, built up a very big network, even though I was introverted, and then also started helping people become more productive. And I wrote a book called The Perfect Day Formula. So I got a lot of, uh, you know, weird dots to connect on my path, but that's how I ended up here. Yeah, perfect. So let's go back and try to connect some of those dots for the audience listening. So 2000, you start writing for Men's Health, you're 25 years old. What brought you to that point, like in between the time you graduated high school until the time you're 25? There's a lot of time in there. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I wanted to be that strength and conditioning coach because I wanted to be a player in the NHL, but there was no way that was happening. So around 12, I figured that out. And then in high school, I, I learned, you know, there's this strength training and all this cool stuff is that there's actually like a program you can go and do at college. So I did exercise science. And then I thought, how can I get in the NHL? And there were a couple of pathways, you know, be like a physiotherapist or be a strength coach. And that meant getting a master's degree. So I did that. And then one day while I was kind of stumbling around on the internet trying to, to find jobs, I, it was on this uh, strength and conditioning website. And, they, and the editor of Men's Health Magazine said, hey, we need some new writers. And so 
being the bookworm, I already had my email newsletter. So I sent it to him. And the next thing you know, he published it. So that gave me that critical credibility, which really gave me the foot in the door for all my future networking. And I wrote for them for a long time, just as a contract worker. But being in the magazine allowed me to sell my programs on the internet easily. So that's how I made that leap from wanting to do stuff kind of in person to figuring out how can I do this you know, while working at home in my underwear, so to speak. Right, right. So you were only writing for Men's Health for about a year before you started selling stuff online. Was it just like you were just really uncomfortable or anxious or were you just kind of experimenting with, you know, what do I really want to do in this space? Great question. And so Men's Health asked me to answer questions on their forum and they paid me for that too. So this is back when they were flush with cash before they kind of tanked as most magazines did, but that allowed me to get all these private messages from people. And so I started making all these programs and I was making programs for my friends too. And I realized I'm making the same program practically every night. Why don't I just make one and kind of sell it mass market? And then that's when I started my foray, I guess you could say into internet marketing, a little bit more hardcore about figuring out, okay, how do you set up websites, take automatic payments, you know, make money while you sleep really kind of exploded for me in 2003. Hired my first business coach in 2006. Big mistake to wait that long, but I did. And then I had another explosion in my business and so on and so forth. So the, wow. you know, it was through that ability to be able to write, communicate, that I was able to grow this business, kind of the business of my dreams, because I was able to talk about a topic that I loved while doing stuff that I loved, writing and helping a lot of people with a cool thing, you know, adding value to the world. So I was very, very fortunate. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like, like, like hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Why was it a big mistake to wait that long to hire a business coach and obviously saying that you have a reason? So what would be the reason that you would go back and change that? 
Well, I was just too cheap. I was cheap and stubborn. I'm half Scottish and half German and I grew up on a farm. So I'm very cheap. And I could have hired a coach in 2003 and I didn't. I waited three years too long to hire a coach. And as soon as I hired my coach, my business results went exponential. If I would have done that in 2003, I don't, can't imagine where I'd be today. I'd be 10 times more successful because of the compounding effect. Hmm. So if I could go back in time, that's probably the one business change that I would make. I would have hired a coach sooner so that you know, I would have tapped into his network. I would have yeah, tapped into right. his knowledge, you know, all of this stuff. And I would have been so much more successful, so much faster without banging my head against the wall and making all the <laughs> right. right. So can you kind of caveat that a little bit and talk to why it's so important, but also give us an understanding of what to look for in a coach because it's, and you know this better than anybody. It seems like everybody and their mom is a coach right now. And sometimes people charge money for stuff that they shouldn't be charging money for. And there's, I think that feeds into the fear of people not wanting to buy a coaching program because they don't know if it's even going to work or if that person's credible or what it might be. So can you talk about like how to attract the right kind of coach or how to find the right kind of coach? Yeah, absolutely. I have a kind of a little system for it. So the way that I went about was following these steps. First of all, I wanted to find someone who had been there and done that. Okay. They had experienced the results that, and I hired a coach who was selling fitness programs on the internet who was super successful and had a great reputation. I mean, this guy was the king of kings in that space. So go to the best, right? I'm not going to go and hire the worst coach in that space. I'm going to go and hire the best because they're going to get me the fastest results. Hmm. Second, make sure they share your morals and ethics. So get to know them. You know, Don't just hire somebody because you saw one video that they did. No, you got to do a deep dive. Just like hiring a plumber, a lawyer, you're going to go and check references. So make sure you do that. Third, you know, have some initial communication with them. Make sure that you jibe with their vibe. You know, so I talked to the guy a couple of times. He had been a big help to me in the past, just by email back and forth. I knew he was giving and generous, and so he had all the things right. He was he had a great reputation. He had all the expertise and knowledge. He had done exactly what I wanted to do, and he was a good person who I you know got along with. So that's what I do and recommend when I. When I hire coaches, and I, I have like two or three coaches a year, if not more, for various things, whether it's selling or whether mm -hmm. it's online marketing or whether it's speaking, I have coaches, and I don't just you know find them on day one and hire them immediately. You know, I I kind of scout them out and I connect with people who they say they've worked with, and I say, you know, is all this stuff true? And they say, yeah, great coach, and I and I move forward with them. And they say, nah, it really didn't work out. I'm not really sure why they say that because you know we really didn't get along that well. Then obviously they scratch mm -hmm. them off list. So right, right. it's very much like finding anything else in life. You don't, you shouldn't jump into most relationships head first. You should mm -hmm. check things out. Yeah. When you say that they've done what you are wanting to do, do you think that they should still be doing that thing in order to be able to coach to stay relevant? especially in the online marketing world, because this is a question I get sometimes. Like somebody will have done something in this certain area, like say they coach you on how to sell on a webinar or something. But then the last webinar they sold on was like four years ago and they were really successful with it and they did really well with it, but maybe it might not be relevant anymore. What are your thoughts on that? That is a great question. And when you throw those specifics in there, it certainly sounds like something you wouldn't jump into, especially when there are other so many other great coaches who are selling on webinars, who are successful these days, and you can kind of pick and choose based on all those other categories that I mentioned. Now, that said, there is a kicking coach in the NFL Hall of Fame who spent his life in a wheelchair. His name was Doug Blevins, I believe. And so there's something to be said about 
all of this stuff and, and not to get too much into the details. Now, yours is a very detailed question. It's a very mm-hmm. specific thing. You want to be very good at webinars. So yeah, you're probably going to want to go and work with somebody who's done webinars or at least studies webinars. Maybe just because they haven't done a webinar in four years doesn't mean they don't know how to do webinars now. Maybe they just don't mm-hmm. do webinars for some reason. Well, that yeah. would be strange. But again, this it's like saying, you know, if Stephen Hawking gave you advice on how to throw a fastball faster, would you say, ah, I'm not going to listen to you, you know, when he was alive, of course. No, you would like actually say, this guy's pretty smart. I'm actually, I'm at least going to listen to this guy. So all that said, it's just like, there's a whole bunch of stuff to take into account. And I think, again, the bottom line is don't rush in. You know, if this person hasn't done a webinar in four years, find out why they haven't. And if they're still coaching people who are successful and crushing it at webinars, that matters a whole lot more than whether they've done a webinar in four years. Right, right. Yeah, because there's always a balance, right? It, it seems like some of the best coaches weren't s- some of the best players. You know, sometimes people's strength is to help coach other people instead of like doing it themselves. You know what I mean? Like all the great coaches in sports, like were never really great players. They were mediocre players. They were average players. They understand, but they understand on a higher level how the game works, so to speak. And so that's very, very interesting piece of feedback. I wanted to get, wanted to make sure that I got from you. Yeah, um, I'm down with that. So you have done a lot of studying, a lot of education. You've studied physiology, psychology, both in like formal academics and then also through self-education and informal learning. Would you say that you've learned more through formal education or through informal education? In terms of the nuts and bolts for what I did in the fitness space, I actually, I actually learned a ton in the academic world. So you know, a lot of people will like, you know, oh, you know, I dropped out of college and blah, blah, blah. But I actually got a lot out of college for the original career that I went and did. It was very helpful. It allowed me to be an expert. Now, could I have gotten that information in a shorter amount of time studying on my own with a mentor? Yes, I could have. But I won't say that my college was a waste of time. Hmm. It was a long time, but it wasn't a waste of time. Now, you flip that over to business side of things. I didn't learn anything about business in college. I learned a little bit in high school, which was actually valuable. I had a really good business teacher in like 10th grade in high mm. school. And I, I think I still learn, I still use some of the stuff that he taught me because he mm. used a lot of real world examples. Yeah. And so there's, in some areas, I've used a lot of academic stuff. And in a lot of areas, it's been, you know, learning from mentors, reading books, doing courses, going to events, and then just trial and error, you know? So the business side of things is definitely not from school. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So definitely real, more real world application is what you've learned from when it comes to business. Mm -hmm. Okay. So going forward, let's go back into the story. So men's health, you're writing for a magazine, you start selling stuff online and it starts to go pretty well. Um, At what point did you, were you just like, wow, this is, this is really taking off. I would say in 2003, I was like, this is really awesome. I, had, I was still being a personal trainer, so I hadn't quit my job yet. But you know, combined, the income was well over six figures, and I was, just, I was loving it. You know, so 28 years old, doing okay. Not like some of the young kids these days, but everything was going great. And so that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to push harder to make the transition so that I'm full-time. Because again, at that time, my energy levels around people there was only so much. And if I spent the entire day in the gym, I was really tired and couldn't do anything. Hmm. Couldn't do as much on the stuff that I loved. So I, I just wasn't as, at that time in my life meant to be doing that. Got it. Got it. So when you started into like moving into the more of the personal development space, the online space, 
how long after your fitness success did you come up with the perfect day formula? Well, the book itself came out in 2015, but I started writing the book in 2013. And I had started coaching people on this stuff as early as 2009 or 10. Got but it. it took me a long time to like formulate it, codify it. And I had used the, own, the systems myself starting as early as 2006. So okay. you know, it was kind of like a decade long thing to get that final polished gem out. Right, right. So talk to me about the epic battle for your life that you write about in the first part of the book. Well, you know, it's really about time, right? And so the thing is, is that we could spend all of our time, all of our time, all day long working. I mean, there's, there's an endless amount of stuff to do. So the question then becomes, how on earth do you build a proactive approach to life that allows you to have a structured schedule so you get a maximum amount of work done while still having time for whether you have family or whether you have friends, whether you have hobbies, whatever it is, you know, maybe you just want to read books. Maybe you want to be a marathon runner, whatever it is. If you don't control your day and own your day and own your morning and win that time, then you won't have time to go and train or, you know, be with your kids and be present, be focused. And, and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who have young kids and the biggest problem in their life is that when they're at home, they're thinking about work. When they're at work, they're thinking about home. And so they're just riddled with these feelings of guilt and wondering, oh my goodness, you know, how on earth can I, can I get control of my thoughts here so that I'm not kind of one foot in, one foot out in every area of life? And so we just structure their life. And that's the epic battle is for your life, for your time, for your presence, for your attention. That's what it's all about. And it starts with being proactive in your life rather than reactive. And that means planning ahead. So give us an idea of what your perfect day looks like, like what an average day would look like for you, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. So I get up at 3.57 a.m. I get up at 3.57 a.m. because if I get up at 4 o'clock, it feels late. And I get up that early because two of my uh, celebrity Hollywood mentors get up that early, and that's The Rock. And also Mark Wahlberg gets up at 3.45 a.m. So if those guys can get up that early and dominate their days, there's nothing wrong with me getting up that early. And I also love that time of day. There's nobody bothering me. I get a ton of work done. And I'm actually the type of person, so I get up at 3.57, I'm usually writing by 4.10. So I don't do any gratitude journaling or any meditation or any stuff. I go right to work because that's when I have the most discipline, willpower, and intention. And there's a new book out by Daniel Pink called When, The Science of When to Do Everything. And he says, in the morning, we have greater discipline, willpower, and intention. So I know that first thing in the morning, I'm going to be able to overcome the resistance, a siren call of the internet, of email, of social media, and there's nobody there bothering me. There's going to be no phone calls. I'm going to already dominate everything. So that's what I go and do. Do you like put your phone on airplane mode and all that good stuff and just like dive into some sessions? Like, is it 45 minutes on, take a break or, or what does that look like? Okay. So what I do is... I actually keep my phone in because here's how weak and lazy I am. I keep my phone. It's first of all, it's in airplane mode. It's turned off. It's in another room and it's in a desk drawer because I have actually gotten to the point where I'm almost ready to flip it out of airplane mode before I realize, oh my gosh, get back, put it in the drawer, get back to work. So that's what I do. I keep the phone far away from me and I don't have a, a time limit. I have a word limit. So I have to write 1500 words. I usually get those done in about 90 minutes at that time of day cranking them out. And then when I'm done that, it's usually about 5.30, then I'm able to go and do my meditation. And I do a short burst of meditation just to do uh, mostly for calming purposes and to clear my mind and, and be 
maybe organize my day in my head and then I go and do some other stuff, but that's how I operate. Okay. And what are you writing for during that time? Is that for like a book or a blog or just to get- Uh, Yeah, I have books, I have websites. So my new book, Unstoppable is coming out. It's about how to overcome anxiety and dominate in business and life. And then, so I'm writing that. I'm also writing sales scripts. I'm writing video scripts. I'm writing presentations. I got a lot of things to write and that's when I do it. I also write team emails so that, you know, to keep my team up to date instead of, because we are virtual. So we want to have really clear communication. I write emails to my coaching clients, like not responding to their emails, but writing a coaching email to them based on all the stuff that I help people with in the last week. So I do a lot of writing, you know, I probably write over 20,000 words a week and you know, that most of my writing comes at that time of day. So lots of stuff to do there. Okay. So what's next? So you do some writing and then you do the gratitude and... Well, I do my, I just do meditation then. And then I go and I do a short walk. So what I do is I write a thank you card to somebody every day and go and drop that in the mailbox, come back, usually eat breakfast around 7.30 in the morning. And then I will prepare for meetings or coaching calls or whatever it is, or maybe do another block of writing. I do some calls late in the morning. Then I go and do a workout, have lunch, check my email, and then in the afternoon, I do podcasts like this. I do uh, filming for my courses, whatever it is, but I'm not writing. So I write early in the day and I do video and audio output later in the day. And then I'm done around 4.30. Okay. Okay. And what does your exercise typically look like? I'm a meathead. So I just lift weights. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Cool. So obviously you're getting up at like, what, 4 a.m. is what you said, 3.57. So yeah. what time are you going to bed? And what does your nightly routine look like to prepare for the next day? So basically, like at the end of my workday, I do a three-step process planning that I teach all my clients, which is brain dump, which is get all the thoughts out of your head, then organize that into your to-do list for the next day with your top priority at the top of the list, and then do a little bit of planning on your top priority. I call that process planning to make it smoother. So for me, when I'm writing a book chapter, I make sure I write down five bullet points so that I don't wake up and sit in front of a blank screen at four o'clock in the morning. If you want to do a sales presentation, do a couple of bullet points. If you want to exercise, lay your exercise clothes out beside your bed, make the path smoother the next morning so that you don't start procrastinating and make sure that you do your to-do list the night before rather than the morning because it's already too late if you're doing it then. Hmm. So then I go to bed around anywhere between eight and 10 o'clock. So if I have social stuff, then I'm out till 10, but most nights I'm probably asleep by 8.30 and then you know, get back on track. I probably average about seven hours of sleep a night. Okay. Got it. Got it. So obviously social stuff is going to go past that point. Let's say you're at a speaking gig and there's this networking thing after, and you're like doing all this stuff. You don't get to bed till midnight. Is it still like 357, your head gets off the pillow or like, I got to make up for a little bit of lost, lost sleep, but I'm going to get back after it. Well, you will probably, like my brain will probably get up at that time just because, you know, you're programmed. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I want to sleep in tomorrow. And then, and you can't because your body's so used to it. So if it does wake up, I do like, that's too little sleep. So I would, I would not set my alarm for four o'clock in the morning. I'd probably set my alarm for five o'clock in the morning in that situation. And then make sure that I can go to bed pretty early the night, the next night. Maybe take a nap in the afternoon or something like that. Yeah. I'm not much of a napper, but you know, in some cases, if it's on a weekend, I would nap, but not during the week. And then at night, I can go to sleep pretty early if I have to. Okay. But what about your energy levels? Your energy level is pretty good throughout the day. Do you drink coffee or MCT oil or anything like that? Or I've never had a coffee in my life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not old enough. So <laughs> I just, I think coffee's, I always thought coffee was for old people. And when I was 35, I was going to have a coffee and I forgot. 
And then I was like, <laughs> well, I got to wait till my 40th birthday now. And then on my 40th birthday, I was like, ah, you know, there's none. Of, I'm not around any special coffee places. So I just still haven't had one. I probably have about 50 milligrams of caffeine per day, either from like Zevia cola or uh, a green tea or something, but any more than that. And I get a little anxious. Yeah. A little, little jittery or something. <laughs> yeah. So the most important thing for me is getting up at the same time every day. So when I started doing that at about age 32, so back then I was going to bed at 11, getting up at seven. And when I started doing that, my all day energy went through the roof. And as long as I you know, don't mess with my bedtime and wake up time too much on the weekends, yeah, I'm golden. I'm always going to have this great energy. That's awesome, man. Such great energy. Yeah, right, right. Well, it's definitely letting you perform at a max level, it seems like, from all the stuff that you're up to. So you got a book coming out called Unstoppable. Can you give us one or two key takeaways and let us know where we can find that? Yeah, so I'm going to be releasing that in November of 2018 at my big event, The Perfect Life Retreat. Then it'll just be on Amazon and we'll probably create our own page. So it's self-published. And that one is about helping entrepreneurs overcome what I call entrepreneurial anxiety. So that will be Hey, listen, first of all, before, you know, obviously we're going to deal with the physical symptoms, you know, through breathing, meditation, yoga, stress reduction, nutrition, all that stuff. But most importantly, we're going to clear the clutter out of your head so that you stop spinning your mental wheels, which is where most of the people end up with a lot of problems and also a misalignment in life. So a lot of people are acting hypocritically. So, you know, like an extreme example, you have the pastor who's cheating on his wife and you're like, okay, obviously this guy's so messed up that he's, you know, he's probably got a lot of internal anxiety. But we also have the same sort of thing for the average entrepreneur who's like, you know, who says that family is my number one priority. And then they spend 12 hours working and two hours commuting and no time mm. with their family. Right. That internal anxiety and internal misalignment eventually will lead to a full-blown anxiety attack or panic attack because they are acting out of alignment. So first of all, we have to clear the clutter. We have to create a vision and values for their life. We have to get all that stuff clearly communicated and then we have to make sure that, hey, my actions line up with that. And then you become more successful. So that's what a lot of the original, the first section of the book is. And then we help entrepreneurs go through and also do a lot of the physical stuff that makes them more successful too. And the Perfect Life Retreat sounds like something that's going to be really killer. Can you tell us about that? Where, when, details? Yeah. So this is my big event. Last year, we had 265 people there. This year, we're, we're probably going to have about 400. We're going to have Tim Grover, the author of Relentless, really great book. We're going to have yeah. our friend Bedros Koulian is going to be speaking there. A couple other entrepreneurs are speaking. And then I coach people through creating their perfect week, which is my next, next book. I've realized that when I wrote The Perfect Day Formula, a lot of people had questions. And it's like, oh, you know what? I really should have wrote The Perfect Week Formula. So there's a mm. whole lot of new stuff coming on how to plan your week for maximum results. So I'm going to be teaching that at the Perfect Life Retreat. And that's November 8th and 9th in San Diego, California. It's going to be an absolute awesome weekend. Awesome, man. You got so much great stuff going on, Craig. I'm a big, big, big fan of everything that you're doing and uh, can't wait to see more of what you're up to. Let's go ahead and shift the conversation now. Talk a little bit about networking, which I know is a topic that you love to talk about. We were talking a little bit about that before we hit the record button. And so, yeah, I want, I want to jump into this with you. The only reason that you and I are on this interview right now is because of a connection, right? So absolutely, um, obviously something you and I both spend time and money on purpose building. So can you talk to me a little bit about how important and crucial it has been for you to build the relationships in your life? I would say that networking, I mean, to use the cliche, it has been a lot of my net worth. I, I spent a long time in the fitness industry making money with friends, as I like to say. So we did a lot of affiliate stuff and a lot of partnerships and all that stuff and created programs with each other. 
we kind of had like a little group and we were all the same morals and values and we promoted one another and our network grew and we helped other people. And then we started growing and coaching and all that stuff. So it was huge, huge part financially, but also network. The people that I've met have allowed me to have amazing experiences in life. I've had a lot of bucket list trips, but more importantly, they've allowed me to do a lot of personal change, you know, overcome my anxiety, become less introverted, become more of a leader, become a better speaker, all this stuff. I mean, just become so much of a better person because I've hung around people who are in many ways better than me. And that's what I always encourage people to do is go hang around people who make you play up a level in life. And if that's your network, that's going to be a game changer for you. And hey, listen, I'm from a small town in Canada, a farm boy, introverted, broke, poor, cheap, all these things. I had every excuse in the book you know, to stay in that little bubble and be unsuccessful and have no network. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah, that's like the purpose of the show, man, is just to explain to people that everybody, well, not everybody, but most people start from scratch. Like most people don't just have killer networks from the way that they grew up, right? Like most people have to do this from the beginning. And like you just said, you're an introvert. And, and I'm, I would put myself in the, same, in the same category, or you're at least introverted or have a lot of introverts. I, I like to say I have introverted tendencies because, yeah. because I'm really big on not putting yourself in a box. So mm-hmm. when I put myself in the introverted box, Travis, that then gave me all the introverts' excuses to be right. antisocial, to be rude, to be not go out and do stuff, you know, to hide and in my room and at seminars. And it didn't serve my life. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I got to change this. And so if I'm going to, I'm going to go out there. Like if somebody says, well, you know, I'm not good at public speaking. Well, how does that serve you? You just haven't tried, you know, don't say you're not good at something and just, just say, Hey, at this point in life, you know, I I can, I got a lot of area of improvement here and that's the way that I went about it. So introverted tendencies is how I say it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Do you have any tips, Craig, tips for people that are introverted or have introverted tendencies like you and me for networking at events, for coming up to people in conversations that, that awkward, like I got my cocktail and I'm walking around trying to find a group to infiltrate, like any tips for the fellow introverted people out there that are like that, whose heart's beating out of their chest when they walk in the room. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, you got to do your research before, right? You got to know who's going to be there. You got to think of like, okay, what connections do I have? You know, who do they know that I know? What can be my opening line to talk to people? I mean, listen, this is the way introverts think. And if somebody's extroverted thinking, oh my God, you guys are really weird. Well, I mean, yeah, that's how we roll, right? So, so I did a lot of that, (laughs) but I think a lot of it was having a crutch, you know, a crutch being, I know somebody else that is going Hmm. And they're a social person. So I'm just kind of like going to be on their hip and eventually blend in because I'm the type of person, I'm the type of introverted person who once I talk to somebody, I'm good. But for some reason, I would just like have this used to have or kind of still have this obstacle that I'm working on getting better at, which is the icebreaker sort of thing. So it's, and the whole thing is I just think too much about it. So it's just stop thinking, just go and open your mouth and say something stupid. And people be like, this guy is hilarious. And you know, the next thing you know, you're just talking to people. So, so do right. that. But also uh, one other thing you can try and do is have a position of strength. So anytime that you go in and you are a speaker, a sponsor, you know people and they can introduce you to people and you, know, you can tell them what to say in advance to introduce you, that's really helpful. So I always go with a position of strength. And, and as you become more of an expert in your area, that becomes easier. Now, if you're starting out, going to an event, knowing nobody, absolutely terrified. Well, you know what? 
This is just where you have to step out of your comfort zone, do that research, you know, come up with some line like, and just to say, Hey, what's your name and what do you do? And what are you super excited about here? I realize that people love when you ask them, Hey, what are you super excited to learn here? Because they just like, Oh, I'm really excited like about this. And then, you know, they're on a positive note and it's just a real easy way to get somebody talking. I mean, from blind dates to going to events, Hey, what are you super excited about right now? And someone will, you know, most people have an answer for this. And if they have a really like kind of Eeyore answer, then you just kind of walk away from them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, it just takes four seconds of courage, man. Just takes four seconds of courage. Hi, my name is Travis. Don't think I've had the pleasure of meeting you. Shake their hand and talk to them like a normal human being. I think sometimes we overcomplicate it because it's, oh, it's so, so overcomplicated, right? right? Yeah, yeah. It's like there's like this strategy and that tactic and this tip here and there. And it's like, look, do what you would do if you just like went to a bar and wanted to play darts with somebody. You know what I mean? Like talk to them like a person, build a real <laughs> relationship. Why are we confusing? It's radical. Them? That's a radical approach. <laughs> Yeah. 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 It seems too crazy. Right. Yeah. So recently I went to this event, right? It's so funny because when I talk to introverts or introverted people, we all kind of feel the same way. And there's just some people that you end up talking to that just spew up all of their nonsense on you, right? Like there's no rhyme or reason. They literally just talk about themselves, talk about themselves, talk about themselves, talk about themselves. Talk about the importance of listening when you're networking. Oh my goodness. Listening is so important because if you can, because I do a lot of sales calls now and and listening is obviously the key. And if you can repeat back to somebody a summary of what they said, they're like, Oh my gosh, you totally get me. You totally understand me. You're a great listener. You're amazing. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's Mm -hmm. actually, you know, it's a skill. Anybody can learn it. And so I put a lot of effort into it and I'm a, by nature, an impatient person. So learning to listen was hard. You know, I, I'm the type of person who loves to finish people's sentences, but I worked really hard not to. And mm-hmm. then also to pay attention, you know, learn their names, do all the stuff that Dale Carnegie would teach you years ago. And mm-hmm. it works. And then that just helps you. And so, yeah, you're going to, you will meet some of those people. You'll meet a close talker who loves to talk about themselves and you'll like find yourself backed up against the wall at one point. But it's the same. I look at that stuff the same way I look at TSA now because I go to airports a lot, almost mm-hmm. every week. And I used to like dread it. I used to get so frustrated, like, oh my gosh, I got to go to the airport again tomorrow. And then I realized, you know what? That doesn't serve me. So why don't I look at going to the airport as an adventure? And if mm-hmm. I look, you know, who am I going to talk to? I'm going to talk to a little old lady behind me. Am I going to, you know, is some strange thing going to happen at right, TSA? Right make me laugh. And I'm like, okay, this is how I now do it. And it's the same with like, we're going to go to this networking thing tonight. And, you know, I'm going to have some war stories and horror stories after this of the Mm -hmm. the close talker who just ate the garlic appetizer (laughs) and And people are going to be standing around laughing at me. And that's great. Hey, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love that, man. Love changing your mindset beforehand because there's something called confirmation bias that we all have. So if you're going to believe that you are going to walk into a a networking conversation and have all the bad experiences in the world, then even if it intrinsically doesn't happen, you're going to look for that opportunity to make it that way because that's what you believe to happen before you even walk into the building. Like You're setting yourself up for failure from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, That's a good way of putting it. It's really funny what we're talking about about the listening thing too. Um, I was reading a, a study recently on um, a bunch of waiters and waitresses that were asked to go about 
taking their orders from their customers different ways. One of the groups just said, thank you for your order or that's, or good choice or excellent choice or something like that. And the other group actually repeated what the customer had said back to them, repeated their order back to them exactly how they said it. And on average, I think it was the, it was 80% of the waiters, waitresses who repeated the order back to them got higher tips than the ones who didn't repeat the order back to them. Because psychologically, we as humans want to be listened to. So it's not even something that we'll do consciously. It's our subconscious mind working behind the scenes to say, you know what, that person was really nice. When like, we don't even know, we can't even place our finger on why they were so nice. It was just like, that they just seemed really nice. But our minds are saying like, they listened to me because they repeated what I said back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible how important and powerful just tweaking that one thing might be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, human psychology is so fascinating and in mm-hmm. and- mm-hmm. So many different ways, you know, for, in, in my career, you know, I've used human psychology, obviously in the weight loss world to get people to transform. And I had to do it for myself to make my own self transform out of those introverted tendencies. And so any little tips like that, I always love hearing. And that's a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. It was in a book I read recently. I might be just a caveat. I might be messing the statistic up a little bit. <laughs> it's something about it's It's, it's very, very similar to that though. I mean, I'll, I'll have to remember which book it was that, that I read that in recently and I'll, I'll send it over to you. But okay. So getting back in the conversation here, I asked this question to everybody that comes onto the show, Craig. So I got to know your answer. Who you know or what you know, which one's more important? I'm going to go with who? I'm going to go with the cliche. I'm absolutely going to say it. Now, if you... I mean, even Mark Zuckerberg, right? I mean, Mark Zuckerberg was... Now, he knew coding and stuff, but it was who he knew that led to Facebook. And mm-hmm. in most cases, it is who you know. Maybe Elon Musk is a slightly different thing, but in most cases, it's who you know, you know, because who you know is going to lead to somebody who can teach you what you need to know. So right. who you know is the key. It's been a yeah. game changer for me. Yeah, Elon Musk is probably a, a one-off. <laughs> yeah, but uh, his cousins. Yeah, exactly. But his cousins, Peter and Linda Rive, who started Solar City, that was a who you know situation. Like oh, Elon cool. Musk said, "Hey, you guys should look into the solar game." And oh, here's a lot of money. Go yeah. ham, like go kill it, right? Right. So they go start this company, build up the largest residential solar installer in the entire country, and then Elon Musk buys it from them and turns it into Tesla anyway. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So like. Even that part of his empire was built from like who he knew when he didn't have time to work on it. He was like, I'm doing Tesla, I'm doing uh, SpaceX, but I trust you guys. You guys go kill it in the solar space. Here's some funding. And they killed it. And then he got it back because of who he knew. And they only got all the success because of who they knew, right? So yeah, totally, totally 100% on board with you for that. So any like final things that you have to say about that? Any, any like last tips, tricks, like somebody's just tuning in, which if you're just tuning in, you got to go listen to the rest of this show because there's so much great stuff that Craig is talking about. But if somebody's just tuning in, they only got a quick minute, what would you want to say to them? I would say that position of strength is an underrated aspect of networking. And what that means is anything that you have in your experiences in your expertise that you can leverage into changing and altering the other person's perspective of you to make it easier for you to go into a situation and feel comfortable, use that. So position of strength, meaning, hey, I know this guy, he can make a good introduction for me. You know, I actually pre-write introductions for so many people. I pre-write the introduction for all my speeches and they're very specific and they're kind of long and people are like, wow, that's, you know, that's not an introduction I would have wrote for you. Yeah, I know because I want you (laughs) to elevate me to the point where, you know, people are amazed. 
it's the same with an, a cold introduction, whether in business or personal life. Mm. You know, I always try and be a speaker at an event that I go to or some aspect. I try and get somebody to mention me from stage so mm. that that just takes the weight of the world off my shoulders as someone with introverted tendencies, but also makes it easier for someone as an extrovert to attract even more people so that they can go and talk to them. So position of strength, try and figure out how you can have a position of strength in any relationship, not so that you can manipulate somebody, but right, just so right. that you can make it easier for that networking connection to go deeper. Yeah, I love that. Love that tip, man. Credibility and association is one of the most powerful forms of persuasion. So awesome, awesome tip to leave everybody with. Let's go ahead and move into the last segment here, Craig. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random right. questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Yeah. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Ooh, you know, I've always weirdly wanted to work in the restaurant industry, you know, whether as a, after I read Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential, I wanted to be a chef, even though I never, ever, ever, ever cook. Like I had an apartment, <laughs> I had an apartment in Denver for 18 months. I didn't turn the stove on once. Um, so either as a bartender or, or waiter or chef for some reason, but it'll never happen. But you know, we're just playing random games. Hey, so that's, that's the purpose for the question, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I make a great bowl of cereal, by the way. I'll have to pour one for you. <laughs> I'd probably take you up on that. <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? I'm going to go with my dad. So I know I should say like Winston Churchill or something, but <laughs> you know, if I can get an hour back with my dad, it'd be, it'd be my dad. Not that we ever have like a good conversation about anything, but you know, maybe it'd be my dad. Yeah. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Never listen to podcasts, can't watch videos. It's like I have a genetic disorder. I just can't stand it. Even on 2X speed, I love, <laughs> I love controlling the information coming into me by reading. Okay. What's a book that you'd recommend besides the ones we talked about? Oh my gosh. Uh, so books that changed my life, uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. I think that should be mandatory reading for all high school aged people, obviously for all adults too, but for maybe a game changer for high school students. And then The Art of Living by Sharon LaBelle, which is a translation of Epictetus, a Stoic philosopher, and his main teachings. It's a short little book. It's kind of like the Tao Te Ching. You know, you could read a page per day and it would always hit you where it hurts. What is your go-to pump-up song? Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. So I'll listen to that on program repeat. There's like a, I found like a loop on YouTube where it's an hour long of it. And I just listen to it over and over and over again. What is something that you are just not very good at? No, <laughs> talking to strangers, definitely introducing myself <laughs> to strangers. So, you know, that thing for sure. And then I'm not a very artistic or a handyman type of person. And as we get everything wrapped up here, Craig, what is one place online where we will be able to find you the most? Instagram, real Craig Valentine. I love Instagram. It's an amazing, it's actually an amazing tool for networking because I say we're in the golden age of, of Instagram right now. People respond to direct messages, even if they have tens, hundreds of thousands of followers. It's mm -hmm. really, really cool. I think Instagram is a great way to get connected. So at Real Craig Ballantyne, that's B-A-L-L-A-N-T-Y-N-E, at Real Craig Ballantyne. Go check out Craig's stuff, buy his book, go to his event, definitely support him, reach out, tell him what's up and tell him that you heard about him here on the show. Craig, thanks so much for coming on today, brother. I had a fantastic time talking with you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. 
Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show because they're literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is something that you are interested in at all, then hit me up and let's chat to see if you'd be a good fit for my mastermind, Build Your Network Dynasty. Just head over to buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty to fill out an application and we'll talk soon. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.